Hi, my name is Rose Hutchison. As you may have heard on our last episode, Climate Vibes founder and previous host, Kaya Sakamoto, is moving on and sharing her talents with other amazing projects. We here at the Climate Music Project will miss her dearly and are incredibly grateful for her hard work and generous spirit. Maddie Young and I will be your new hosts for the foreseeable future. We are thrilled to be here with you and are excited to carry on Kaya's legacy and the important work of this podcast. This episode, I met with Dr. Andy Jones and Melesio Estrella to discuss art in the climate movement. Dr. Jones is a staff scientist in the Climate and Ecosystem Sciences Division at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory, where he leads the Earth Systems and Society program domain. He is the hydroclimate theme lead for LBL's Water Energy Resilience Research Institute and the Resilient Systems Grand Challenge Lead for the Earth and Environmental Sciences Strategic Vision. He previously served as the Deputy Director of the Climate Readiness Institute. Melesio Estrella is the Artistic Director of Bandaloop, a world-renowned dance company and pioneer in the field of vertical performance. Bandaloop seamlessly weaves dynamic physicality, intricate choreography, and climbing technology to turn the dance floor on its side. Bandaloop reimagines dance, activates public spaces, and inspires wonder and imagination in audiences around the world. In addition to his work with Bandaloop, Melesio co-directs the dance theater company Fog Beast and is a longtime member of the Joe Good Performance Group. Andy and Melesio currently live in the Bay Area with their six-year-old son. My name is Rose Hutchison and you're listening to Climate Vibes, a podcast by the Climate Music Project. Amazing. Well, so happy to have you guys here. Um, we'll jump right in. I know these are crazy times. What are you both working on right now? <laughs> well, besides um, being part-time kindergarten teachers, um, we uh, I'm working on... Um, he says that because we have a six-year-old son. I did. I did hear <laughs> okay. that. Um, yeah, and you're doing, I'm sure, homeschool. Yeah, not like literally. <laughs> it took yeah. me a, a one second to realize what you were talking about. I was like, that's incredibly impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, yes, it's true that. But a lot of our uh, time during the day is going to um, doing math worksheets and sight sight reading, sight words. I love that. Uh, yeah. So my work recently, I mean. In, in recent years, I've been um, really focused on um, the resiliency of our water, energy, urban, uh, agricultural systems. And mm-hmm. um, now that you know we're in a point in history where climate change is happening and our systems are beginning to be affected uh, by the environmental change, uh, there's a lot of interest from the stakeholder community, uh, from the resource management community on how they can use science to understand uh, the, the ways that things are changing in a more detailed way, understand uncertainties, et cetera. And so a lot of my work has been focused on engaging with practitioners to understand their information needs and 
use that as a feedback process to drive how we're innovating on the science and oh, wow. new modeling approaches, uh, that sort of thing. Um, so it's been a, it's a really nice kind of combination of talking to people, learning about their problems, yeah. and then translating that into to science. Absolutely. And is all of this happening from home? Just or are you? Are, do you get to go into the? <laughs> not uh, not for the last year. I oh think gosh. Soon, perhaps. <laughs> We'll be going to the lab, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's all it's all Zoom these days. Wow, that's impressive. What about you, Alessio? What have you been up to? I've um, been working on a lot of things. I'm like, which should I talk about? <laughs> um, but um, so my background is in dance and performance. Mm -hmm. and I've been spending, you know, I've had a pretty long career making um, dance works for the theater and a lot of non-traditional venues, outdoors and such. So that, that's been, I've been following that thread. The pandemic has, um, ha, has affirmed the wonderfulness of working outdoors. And so a lot of, most, all of my work right now is pouring into that. Um, and that manifests in a few ways these days. One of them is working with my company, Bandaloop. It's a site-specific vertical dance company. Mm -hmm. We use rock climbing technology to dance on the sides of walls, making highly public, and we like to say radically accessible dance. So it's for everyone to see. You know, there's no ticket price. Um, fantastic. Uh, it's on the street. It's public art. Um, right now, looking at um, the rope craft, so we're, we're it's a marriage of rock climbing and dance, contemporary dance and other dance forms that started um, by our founder, Amelia Rudolph in 1991. And so what I'm interested in right now is the actual ropes, the rope crafts, the lineage of rope craft, and that the ropes themselves are a technological textile made out of nylon. Um, I'm also a fiber artist and very interested in the ancestral um, the ancestral roots of textile traditions, juxtaposing that with the ecological impacts of fabric and textile production, and specifically in the fashion industry and sustainability movements in the fashion industry. So um, when I have this big vertical wall with many ropes going down, running vertically, it starts to resemble a loom, gigantic loom. So I'm working on a piece that really looks at textiles you know, many facets of textile, it's a wide, wide world. Um, but um, I think our approach is really focusing in on uh, both sustainability movements and, and the cultural uh, roots of, um, and spiritual roots of, of fabric making. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. I have to say, I, I looked you both up, obviously, before uh, emailing you initially and uh, incredibly intimidated just because the work you both do is <laughs> very, very neat. Um, so they, that's that's fantastic. Uh, you kind of just touched on it, but um, because Bandaloop is, is not primarily an environmental organization, but his work is firmly connected to the environment it's being performed on, uh, do you see, can you talk about this environmental element, how it relates to, you know, honoring nature and, and how that kind of plays into your art at all? Sure. Yeah. So it's a 30 year organization and I've, I've been with the organization for 17 years, been artistic director for the last one and a half years. Um, and how it started was through 
really rock climbing and dance and outdoor in the mountains, you know, mm -hmm. dancing. Our, um, the founder, Amelia, she realized that her climbing practice informed her dance practice and vice versa. And part of climbing and part of that culture is being in these mountainous spaces and these awe-inspiring, you know, the expanse of the mountain, the geology of the rock, the flora and the fauna, these protected, conserved spaces. Um, so that's really deep in the DNA of the practice of Bandaloop. Um, and like I was saying, we work outdoors and in public space all the time. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we're in contact and dancing. Not to say we dance on, but more uh, accurately, we dance with the elements. Um, and the surfaces, and whether we're in a wild space on a mountain or in an urban space on the side of the glass building, um, we're encountering wind, we're encountering um, weather, and uh, you know, um, we're kind of in that threshold, in that in-between space, uh, between um, kind of the sidewalk reality and the sky dream reality mm -hmm. um all encompassed in you know the natural environment or the built environment um so we're i just i guess i'm rambling to say that <laughs> unlike other dance companies we're not in a box in mm -hmm. a theater in a studio right we are always interacting with the elements the people the public space the, um, the nature, um, that's a humbling place to be. Um, and in order to feel good in the process, we feel like there has to be a sort of reverence or the reverence just comes, I guess. The reverence comes and that's how the process of the work honors nature. Dr. Andy Jones was one of the first members of the Climate Music Project's Science Advisory Committee and has remained a dedicated and integral part of the Science Advisory Committee team since the project's founding. Andy or Dr. Jones, I don't know which, whichever you prefer, would you mind just mm -hmm. touching on you know, what led you to our organization and, and why you chose to get involved and what's that kind of looked like? Sure, yeah, well, I think um, it came about because I guess Stefan was asking around with some contacts that he had at Berkeley Lab, and someone suggested uh, suggested me as a person to talk <laughs> to. And as soon as I heard the concept, I was you know immediately fascinated. Um, it, music is such an intuitive uh, mode of of of, en of engagement, and um, so yeah, I just immediately you know I signed up right away and met with Stefan and. Um, <laughs> one thing led to another yeah that's fantastic yeah so that takes me into what ways do you feel the work that you both do overlapping that both the arts work and the climate work and obviously you have a partnership in, in more ways than one so what how do you feel your your work overlapping well i think that our work has you know you know on the surface you might think you know science and art are very different things but i think that uh we're both very motivated by a a deep curiosity mm -hmm. uh, and a sense of investigation uh, and bringing that curiosity to go deeper on a topic. And, and, and we're both working in this space of, you know, how, how do we relate to 
uh, our environment, how do we relate to larger systems that we find ourselves within? In what ways does that make us vulnerable uh, to, you know, fluctuations and uh, extremes within the environment? In what ways does that kind of create a sense of responsibility and that we have an impact on the world around us? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we conceptualize that relationship? Um, yeah, so those are just a few thoughts on yeah. some commonalities. I think that the way we both work also arises in collaboration in teams, you know? Um, and so something that I'm always learning from Andy is, is around, you know, that sort of iterative, iterative team process, the collaborative process. Um, and, you know, there's so much that his work informs my work in that way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I really like what you the curiosity thing. I, I agree. And also the two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how, I guess this, either one of you could answer, do you, do you have, how can we better nurture the connection between the arts and climate science from either side? A loaded question, I realize. <laughs> yeah, I often think, you know, uh, I participated in this, this series of workshops at the Headland Center for the Arts on kind of science and art around the topic of climate change. And, you know, coming out of that, it was interesting to see, you know, examples of science feeding into art and art feeding into science. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so like artists who are inspired by a science, you know, some scientific finding or fact that inspires their imagination and they, they go somewhere with it. Um, you know, and on the flip side, scientists who want to think creatively about their problems or who want to, you know, use more effective means of communication. Uh, but I think where it's also really interesting is that kind of collaborative, not really science for art or art for science, but science and art together working on a problem. And I think that's a really fruitful place to bring our attention to. And um, Yeah, and how do you do that? I guess you find that common ground, you find that common intersection of where is the curiosity line uh, and facilitate the conversations. Um, and I think people will take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know I exist often in this world of like production and show making and, you know, art, like making a big product as a performance. Um, as in a performance, um, but there's so much to be said for process, for art process as a tool to uh, play, be placemaking, to help communities connect not only to each other, but to their landscape. So um, as an educator, I'm really looking right now at the, um, at the, at the intersection of outdoor education, you know, and sort of like summer campy outdoor education mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, performing arts education or experiential dance and somatic work, and then also intersecting that with with equity work and access. So um, I'm really interested in the application of art process to communities, um, in addition to the work of making big shows and touring them. (laughs)
Okay, I have a fun word association game, if that's okay, to play. It's a fun, rap engaged. Um, I'll say a word, you guys say what the first word pops into your brain. Each of you, sound good? Uh oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm throwing this at you. Low stakes, I promise we can. <laughs> um, okay, first word, planet. Round. Great answer. Growth. What was that? Sorry. Growth. Awesome. I can tell one of you is, is uh, running a kindergarten. Um, <laughs> and it's great. It's um, uh, second word, climate. On my skin. Intuition. Science. Elegance. Evidence. Ooh, that was very nice. <laughs> that alliteration. <laughs> All right, last one. Connection. Tendril. Network. Absolutely. That was perfect. Amazing job, both of you. You won the game. Uh, thank you so much. I have just one last question for you. Um, for either one of you, uh, where do you see the future of the climate movement headed? Uh, and where do you think we should be focusing our efforts? Well, I think particularly in the context of this conversation that we're having about science and art, you know, we're at a point where we know a lot scientifically about what's happening to the climate and humans' role in it. And it seems that, you know, in terms of a movement, as a, you know, a group of concerned people who want to see us take a wise path forward, um, you know, that we, what we need is ways of engaging with the problem that, that speak to our whole humanness, you know, that speak to our values and our identities and our emotions. Um, here we took a quick pause so that Andy and Malesio could fulfill their very important roles as kindergarten teachers. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So where was I? Yeah. So just that, you know, in this moment that, um, you know, the limitations aren't our knowledge of the scientific reality. Of course, we need more science to, mm -hmm. you know, understand the details and get you know, get down, um, get down to business with adapting our water system, adapting our, 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 our energy system, um, and see what happened in Texas, um, with the electricity grid. Mm -hmm. But, um, what seems to be what's holding us back is sort of an, a crisis of imagination and a crisis of, of storytelling that we need to be able to imagine a future pathway forward. What is that future that we want to get to? And that has to be informed by, you know, what are our, what are, what is the option space now mm -hmm. scientifically, but it has to be informed by our values and what we, what we want uh, and what we can articulate as something that we're working towards. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything to add? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that was really elegant. I, um, <laughs> I, <agree>. I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm no, theorist or academic on, you know, movements such as the climate movement, but I do think that, you know, there's, 
big actions that we can take that we are, take, you know, some of us are engaging in um, as far as moving big ideas and big ways um, to touch a lot of people. And I think it's equally important to talk to our families, you know, to, mm-hmm. you know, like where the, where the bridges are, the personal bridges for storytelling um, that exists, you know, um, across cultural divides. Really, there's, and that's maybe one of the more challenging places is, is you know, how do I talk to my uncle, you know, my Republican uncle? How do I talk to, you know, my, my children about this and um, my community? So, yeah, in some ways, I feel like uh, that's a, a, an open question and a curious place for me is you know, where, where, the, where the personal communication can serve this movement. Absolutely. Yeah. Starting from home and then branching out from there, 110%. That concluded my interview with Dr. Andy Jones and Malesio Estrella. Thank you again to both Andy and Malesio for taking the time to speak with me as well as to Poddington Bear for the use of their song, Tender and Curious. You've been listening to Climate Vibes, a podcast by the Climate Music Project, an organization that works to communicate a sense of urgency about the climate crisis by combining climate science with the emotional power of music to drive meaningful action. Check us out at climatemusic.org. My name is Rose Hutchison. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes.